You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. Two weeks ago, okay, we started our new series entitled Truth Be Told. And I don't know if you're familiar, we start with a parable, the parable of the sower, the, the, the parable of all parables. Okay, The grandfather of all parables. And about a week ago, we talked about and we did discuss about the parable of the mustard seed and the leavened bread. And I don't know if you did learn something. Did you learn something? Uh, if you, did you learn something? Uh, if probably you're still groping in the dark, just nod your head. Okay? Eventually you will learn something. So at the end of the series, we will have a deeper understanding and appreciation of the parables of Jesus causing us to apply and grow in our character. And the more that we understand the very point of what Jesus Christ wants to co- convey, it will what? It will shape our lives. It will alter the way we look at things. And it is the beauty of uh, what a parable is. It is a uh, uh, really a message that God wants to communicate to His people and even uh, communicate in a way that He can hammer a point. And this is what we will talk about. It is the heart of God that Jews and Greeks and Gentiles will come to know Him. We value what God values. Amen. And when it comes to the things that God really would prioritize, if you take a closer look, the reason why He would challenge the norm and the religious people, the religious leaders, because of His love for people. He loves us so much. Do you understand? If you don't love yourself, I'm glad that God loves us. There are times that we despise ourselves, that we wish that we're someone or we're somebody, that we idolize. But how many of you here, whether you like it or not, God's love is amazing and He loves you so much. There is nothing in this world that can change the mind of God. He is settled and that is what He lives for. He loves us and you cannot do anything about it. So the parable that we will talk about is in fact is a series of parables of what God wants to communicate, what Christ wants to communicate. In fact, if you take a closer look of what we will read in in Luke chapter 15, it has three parables that hammers a point that God is interested with His people. He loves His people. And I I believe that a lot of us here, we value a lot of things. We value our our marriages. We value uh, 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 some of you here. You value your car even though you don't have one. Just... You can pretend that you have one. So God wants to tell us that this is what I want to communicate to you. This is what I value. And what is valuable to you might be probably not valuable to me. And I'm reminded of the things that I uh, did with my son. I value photos, memories, because that's really uh, a, 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 a probably a, a celebration. When you look at photos of, of what God has done, what your family has done, and how you did enjoy a, a vacation. And these are the things I value. Some of you probably you value things, your achievements, your certificates, your diploma. But you have to ask yourself, what is one thing that God values? And this is why we will start with a, this parable in chapter uh, 15 of verse 1. It's written right here. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. They're interested in what God has to say. These are tax collectors and sinners. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. You know, I don't know what the reaction of Christ is. It's not written in this chapter, but they, they grumble. How many of you here, you're guilty of grumbling? And you're praying for a special someone, you want to find the right one? And for the past 900 years, still, <laughs> God, okay? has kept you alive and waiting. <laughs> and you grumble once in a while. And all these years, you've been, you've been trusting God. 
And we, there's a possibility for us to grumble and take it against God. And here in the in this passage, okay, the teachers of the law and the sinners and, and the tax collectors are grumbling. Why is Christ mingling, interfacing with, really, with sinners and eats with them? And I believe Christ wants to use this opportunity to communicate a message. And they love Christ because He's very provocative. He wants to use every opportunity to communicate something and hammer to the point what He wants to convey. It's written right here. And He said, there was a man who had two sons. Do you feel right now? I want you to imagine that He started with a statement because He wants to hammer a point. Do you understand? How many of you here are like that? If you're talking to your husband, okay, and you want to hammer a point, you're a wife. How many wives are in this room? Okay, and one, two, three, you don't know you're a wife, okay? <laughs> if you feel depressed, you are because of your husband. I'm just kidding, okay? I mean, if you want to communicate to your, to your husband, you, 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 of course, you want to say it directly, right? But Christ wants to really uh, set the mood, and He wants to tell a story. Now, I don't know if you're that person that if you want to communicate something to your husband or to your spouse, you start with a story. Okay, if you have a point, you know, uh, Christ is like that. He wants to communicate something here. There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. And I just can't really imagine because in the Jewish culture, and you're familiar that we came from Israel, uh, we've learned a lot of things that some of you here are not really accustomed to. One of the things that you need to learn from this passage, from this text, is that it is improper for a son, for a younger son, to ask half the property. In fact, to be accurate, one-third of the property, because the older brother, two sons, okay, has two-thirds of the property. But it is improper for you to ask your father for one-third of the property, because you're simply saying to your father, you're not yet dead, but in my eyes, in my eyes, do you understand? You're dead to me. That is what you are trying to imply and communicate. And you're trying to, to, to convey to your father. That I don't really care what you will feel. What I am consumed of is that I just want you to give me one third of the property. In simple terms, he was simply saying, you're dead to me. And that's the meaning to the, to the father. He was simply saying, I want what you can offer more than you. I want your stuff more than our relationship. That my relationship with you is means to an end. I will go to church so I can find a good man. Do you understand? I want to go to church and pray and fast so that I'll have a better job. From another church, okay? Not you guys. All of you are totally devoted to God. You love God, right? You don't go to church because you want God to reward you and bless you, right? You, you go to church because you love God. Amen? Some of you are struggling. And in this context and in this culture, the property is always tied to the person, to his identity. So if you mess with the property, you're messing with the person. Therefore, the father is not just relinquishing, releasing one-third of his property. He's letting go of his image in the community. He was simply saying, that's okay. As a father, I can stone my son to death because it's part of your culture. You mess with a father, you're stoned to death. I can, I can rally the whole community. In fact, the younger son is not just up against his father. He's up against the entire community. So the whole community, including his father, has the right to kill him and stone him to death. But the father opted to say yes to 
what his son wants. And this is something that I find really ridiculous. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. Everything. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. He gathered everything. He took his clothes, rubber shoes, what else? Frying pan, fridge. Do you understand? I mean, car key, even though he doesn't have a car. I mean, the things that, that, that he thinks, this is mine. And this is what I deserve. And he squandered everything in what? In reckless living. Not just reckless, but in wild living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. This is where the problem is. The son was in a situation wherein if I leave my father and gravitate to what probably what the world has to offer, I will find joy and fulfillment. And all of us here, we can relate with his son, this younger son. The one way or the other, we know that it's corny to be in church. It's corny to, be, uh, to have a relationship with God. But out there, I think the world has something to offer that will give me joy, fun, and excitement. But you know it will end. Am I correct? It will give you joy, but momentary joy. And it's a problem with a lot of us here. We want to give it a try, but after a day or two, we want to be back to our relationship with God. I want to admonish, look up here for a while. Why try what the world has to offer when you know that God can give you joy that is never ending? That yes, I can guarantee this life will be, will not be perfect. It is far from being perfect, but one thing I know, that peace can be attained, not in, 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 in the presence of the things that can entertain you, but the presence of God in itself. Do you understand? And you will not probably agree with me because you have yet experienced all of these things, but I'm telling you right now, I've tried almost everything. Yes. Think of one thing. Okay? That you have ex- yes, I have experienced that as well. And I don't want to brag. I'm not proud of this. But after what has been said and done, you know that it will give you momentary joy. But a momentary joy that you're telling me and you have experienced probably is not worth a lifetime of regret. Because that is our default setting. That is what we do. We always would go out of our way instead of pursuing God. We look for things and alternatives and options that will probably provide a short-lived fun and excitement. And we seek for these things. These are the things that I call idols or functional savior. Something that guarantees joy and fulfillment that only God can give. Some of you here, you're telling me I have repented of my sins. I do come to church and I'm a follower of Christ. I'm reading my Bible. Wait, there's more. If you're here right now, in the first hour of the day, instead of opening your Bible, your faith book, you open the Facebook. Your functional savior, something that you idol is that you think, instead of opening my Bible, this Facebook account, okay, will, will give me the affirmation I need. You did a shout out three days ago and you're counting a number of likes. How many of you can relate with me? Your shout out is who you. I mean, that, that should be done in a text message, okay? You're in a different platform. 
but you're expecting people to, to like it. You do a selfie. Why? I, I don't know. You, you, how many of you here you observe? How many of you have a you have a Facebook account? Anybody here? How many of you here when you when 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 you see people posting their selfies in Facebook, it, it's always in 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 the right angle. Young. <laughs> Why you want people to like you? Because you're struggling with the the disapproval. That's your functional savior. There's no one in this world that can approve of you other than the love of God. So a functional savior is an idol. A functional savior is a good thing. There's nothing wrong of having selfies that you made into a God thing and that's a bad thing. Money can be your functional savior. If you're here right now and and your moods are always based on the money in your pocket, there's something wrong. You're happy and you're sad based on the, the money in your pocket. That's a functional savior. Your boyfriend? Let's go to church. It's good to worship when you're holding somebody's hand, right? <laughs> Excuse me, I am an usher. You have an usher. Why? Because that's where you derive your joy, your excitement, your approval from that person. That is a functional savior. And we need to be forewarned. Because this is true to a lot of people. And this is what the younger son went after. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country who sent him into his field to feed pigs. Wow. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. And I don't know if you can understand. Remember, there was famine in the land. So if there's famine and people are having a hard time eating, how much more with pigs? Do you understand this? I mean, pigs will eat worse than, okay, what they have to offer. And this guy is eating with pigs. He went away and became a moy baboy, okay? Um, <laughs> left his country, right? But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hard servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? The word is that I want to be back. Remember, there was a moment that he came into his senses, came to himself and said, I will do something about this. And probably you're here right now and you're saying, enough is enough. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm done with this life. I want to do it again. Some of you here, I want to be back to my father. Some of you here probably, you're waiting for this opportunity, for this moment. You don't have to do so. Because I felt like a congregation, you like, you like to attend this kind of gathering, you want to take part and worship God, but you don't want to, God, I want to, I want to start all over again. I'm, I'm done. And some of you here, you need to, to be in this situation. You're like this younger son, just in order for you to have a re- realization that I want to start all over again. I want to tell you, you tonight that you don't have to be in this situation to go back to the Father. Because if you take a lo- closer look of the whole passage, the Father is waiting for us. And the Father wants us to be back. I will arise and go to my Father. Let me say this once again. I will arise and go to my Father and I will say to Him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hard servants. And I don't know if you're like me. That every time I would do something that is in a way embarrassing, I would rehearse and think through it. How many of you here? Okay. 
ito gagawin ko? I don't know if, I don't know, imagine with me, he's talking to a pig. Tatayo ako. Amoy baboy, baboy. I mean, I will go back to my father, set out and tell him these things. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hard servants. And, and I don't know if you can relate with me. He was simply saying, I will, I will repay my father by telling him that I'm no longer your son. Make me one of your hard servants. And that's what we do. We name ourselves of how evil and demonic and unclean we are. And we blame ourselves, but that's not how God looks at us. This is why a lot of us here are struggling and are having a hard time returning to God because we see ourselves the way the devil sees us. We don't see ourselves the way, the way God sees us. And in order for you to have that understanding, you need to understand that God has a different perspective of who we are. God looks at us and looks at us differently. And He said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So who's saying that he's not worthy? Is it the father? Or he's trying to create a brand for himself? This is why, ladies and gentlemen, the reason why you're coming to church, more than just worshiping God and, and singing songs and, and, and being with, with fellow believers, is that this will renew your mind who you really are in Christ. The reason why you can move forward because the, level, uh, the, the, the devil has already uh, brand you. Okay? Based on his lies. But God says, okay, that indeed, if you check the Bible, you check the Word of God, you check this story, that you are my child. It says right here, and he arose and came to his father while he was still a long way off. Long way off. His father, his father what? Saw him. Therefore, the father was waiting for him. He was... Depressed, probably, returning home. It's not in, this, in the passage. That is the reason why, okay, he did not see his father. But his father saw him. Therefore, the father was expecting his son. So this morning, before you set out and you go to this church, before you start your day, the Lord is expecting you to be back in his arms. That's the expectation of God for all of us. Regardless of what you did in the past, regardless of how dark your past is, God is waiting for you. Isn't that a beautiful picture? That God is excited of a return. And because the father saw him, he felt compassion. And you know what the father did? The father blamed the son for taking one third of the property. No, it's not written right there. And what? The father, when the father saw, he what? He, he ran. Because this is a probably... A nice setting. I, I'll do it in slow motion. He ran. You know what? It's written right here. And kiss him. But it's not about the smell. It's about my son has returned home. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. If you check the passage, he was still a long way off. His father saw him. And felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. He was simply saying, I, I, I'm not worthy to be called your son. You know what the father said? Yes, I agree. No, but the father said to his servants, The father overlooked what he's trying to say. 
Because I want you to understand, whether you like it or not, probably you feel like what you've been through, you, you, your, your value has devaluated through the years. What you've been through and how exposed you are to the world and how you've been jumping from different relationships and how people has maligned and has, has, has really rejected you. And you feel like that probably I, my value is not the word of God states that I'm valuable in the, in the eyes of God. But here, the reaction of the father is not based on who he is in the past and what he has done. His value remains the same the day that he left home. Because of the reaction of the father. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe. And put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. Remember that he doesn't feel worthy. But the father said, bring the best robe. As a representation, a symbolic message to the father. That today, you don't have to do anything. Though you feel unworthy, I'm giving you the robe. Because I am restoring who you really are as part of his family. Ladies and gentlemen, when you feel down and out and you don't feel worthy to be accepted by God. God is giving you a robe tonight. That you are my son and your identity has not changed. I don't know if you're familiar with that famous illustration of 1,000 peso bill or $100 or, or any amount. That if you have that money, even if I step on it, spit on it, crumple it. How many of you here, if I will offer to you, okay, if you want this 1,000 peso bill, okay, a lot of you still will get it. Even though it's crumpled, it's dirty, it's abuse. Why you know even though it is abuse, if the serial number is still clear? (laughs) Do you understand? It's still valuable. This is why he can say, you're restored. You're trying to tell me you're not worthy, but here's the robe. You don't have to work for it. You're worthy. Isn't it amazing that when the son was forgiven, it is a picture of God's mercy. But it's another thing to be adopted into the family and be back. In fact, he was not adopted. He was taken back into the family. That is a picture of God's grace. That some of you here, you're struggling to prove your worth and value. Ladies and gentlemen, before you even wake up this morning, you don't look like a Christian, right? Yeah, pagising, mo tingnan mo yung sarili mo sa salamin. I mean, you I rebuke you. No, no, it's myself pala. I thought it's the devil. Why? Because you don't look good. Some of you here took three days just to fix yourself. Thursday pa lang, ayos ka na. Sunday, Saturday. I have nothing against fixing yourself, but my point is, that's not the basis of your value. That's not the basis of your affirmation and acceptance. God says, you deserve a room. Because you're my child. You're my daughter. You're my son. I'm taking you in. He was given a ring as a symbol of authority. That what I have is yours. Isn't it amazing? That we don't have to earn our way into the heart of God. God has given. God has blessed us. And if you take a closer look, the reason why we have all of these things, because somebody went to the cross, suffered for our sake, so that we can carry and, and, and wear that robe and take that ring. And it says right here that he has been given a sandal. 
Because during the time the slaves doesn't wear one. So the father was simply saying, I'm elevating you from how you would want to see yourself to who you are in my eyes. That you're valuable to me. Remember this, ladies and gentlemen, no matter what you've been through, remember this, that the intensity of God's love is greater than the stench of our sin. That no matter how, how you smell, and you smell bad, when people take it against you. But it, it goes beyond your smell and your, 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 how, how, how messed up your life is. God says that it is my love that will overlook how messed up you are. Because this is one thing I want you to understand. God does not love us based on who you are in the future. God loves you today, period. That's the kind of God that we have. That's the kind of father that, that we have. Now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother, who's from the state, <laughs> has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. And the response of the brother, but he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, look, see. I hope you do understand the tone of this older brother. He doesn't understand the relationship that he has with his father because he was blaming his father. Look, this many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. He was blaming his father all these years. I've been serving. How come you did not reward my service? How come you did not reward my commitment of serving his family? I want you to understand, it's easy to say, okay, that when some, somebody does something bad, that he's bad. But you know the worst thing that can happen to us? That you do good and it is still bad in the eyes of God. Because a lot of us, just like this older brother, we're obeying God to get the things of God. Remember that the moral story and the lesson, okay, or the moral of the story is that, and the lesson of the story is that at the end of the day, the brother missed the whole point that he is obeying the father to get what the father has to offer. Remember this, we obey God to get God. Some of us, we obey God because there is something in return. And the question in the back of our heads is that, what's in it for me? What God can offer in order for me to be attracted to Him? And you know that, that it's demeaning and it's not right to be in a relationship because of what the other party has to offer. That's the reason why we have a lot of failed relationships, because you want what the other party has to offer. No. You are in that relationship, not because of what you can get, but because of the person. That's love. That you love that person unconditionally, regardless of what, who he is and what he has been through. The goodness and the older son's goodness is what's preventing him from obeying the father. What do I mean by this one? That he was saying, I'm good. Why can't you reward my goodness? 
The motivation is the reason why I'm good because I want to be rewarded. The motivation should be for people like us that the reason why I'm good because you're good. The reason why I'm good because I'm in this relationship. I'm not good because I want to be rewarded. Because if that is your posture as a follower of Christ, you will fail big time. You only come to church when things are doing well. You come to church because you want God to reward your faith. You will be rewarded. But my point is this. The basis of your relationship that you worship God because of what He has to offer. Or even, Lord, I will stay single for the rest of my life. That's okay. That's okay. (laughs) Lord, if I don't prosper, I'm hoping to be a millionaire, but if I'm not, this is not the basis of a relationship with God. And one of the things I realize, when you prioritize your relationship with God, everything will be added unto you. But be, be, be very cautious you don't get into a relationship because of what God has to offer. This is why the son is very, very, very frustrated. We feel bad when things doesn't go our way. When things doesn't fall in the right place. We, we take it against God. Remember this. This is not an issue whether you have a good or a bad behavior. This is an issue of what? Walking in humility or pride. Because people can tell you you're good based on your behavior. But God is after the motivations of your heart. You can do what is good. And please people. But if your heart is not right, you can receive a pat on the back to the people around you. But in the eyes of God, you know that He's not pleased with your heart. At the end of the day, you miss the whole point. Why you're doing what is good. Why you're seeking God to get God and not just the things of God. He said to His Father, but when this son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes. You killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine, or all, all, all that is mine is yours. Therefore, the story is not the story of the prodigal son. Am I correct? It is the story of the prodigal sons. Because the younger son, yes, indeed, he's bad, and we know he's bad. This son is good, but he's bad. Because the bottom line of all of this, if you miss your relationship with God, you miss everything. You can come to church, in fact, with a different reason, with a different motivation. Because the bottom line of this is that, Lord, I want to have a relationship with you. This is the very heart of God, the reason why He went down and blended with us and went to the cross. Because He wants to fix the relationship that He has with you. So you can worship God and miss the relationship with God. You can come to church, attend a, a, a small group. In fact, you can do four chapters, five chapters a day in your Bible reading, but miss God. I usually read four or five chapters this morning. I only read one chapter. But I was, I connected with God. It's amazing. Now don't, don't tell me you're so religious, you're a pastor, you can do that. I'm telling you right now, it's hard to explain, but it works. If you're married, just like this is my favorite example. How many of you here married people, you're with your husband, with your, your wife for about seven days in a week, but only probably Monday morning you, you stare at her eyes and you connected for five minutes. If you're, if you're in a relationship, you know what I'm talking about, that you can live with somebody in the same house and be disconnected. Katex mo pa? Magsisiyar ka? Dinner na? You call it connection. Do you understand? Now ask 
Ask yourself, how many years have you been a Christian? 10 years, 20 years? How many minutes and hours you have, you have connected with God? Some of us here, 10 years, 20 years. But if you summarize and you add everything, the moments that you have with God, probably that will, that will sum up to about an hour. Why it's not the number of years. It's not whether you're, you're coming to church, you're serving God. That's not what counts. What is important is those moments of connection with God. You know the reason why we have at times problems? You know why we have problems? Because these are the moments where you're connected with God. How many of you can relate with my problem? You, you feel intimate with God. You feel that you're, you have connected with God. But after all the challenges, where are you in all of this? So if you're telling God that I'm only intimate with you when things are in disarray, when I have problems, you're telling God, God, can you send more problems? Because the bottom line of this is that the more that you grow in intimacy, the more that your relationship with God will mature and grow as well. Remember, this is not just about doing what is good, what is bad. It is about growing in relationship with God. And people that have a relationship with God will do good. Am I correct? This is what the Word of God says. That God is interested with His relationship with us. That before you came to know God, you, 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 you're, you're, you're a sinner. And God brought you in, orchestrated everything so that you'll be in, an, uh, in, a, in a season of your life where you will desire God. All of these things, the reason why you're in church, the Lord orchestrated all of this. The Word of God states, He did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all. This is the only Son that He has, but He gave, uh, gave it up. How will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? He gave up and He let go of His Son. Do His Son in the Garden of Gethsemane was saying, Not this cup, take this cup away from me, not my will, but your will be done. But because His love is just overwhelming and overpowering, that I want to go to the cross and do this for humanity. This is what love does. It overshadows everything. So if you're here right now, you're running away from God. If you want to return, you're welcome. He's standing right in front of His house waiting for you. And I'm telling you right now, He will be the first person to see you from afar. And He will run for you. Remember in the Jewish culture, men, dignified men, they don't run. Only women. In their own context. But for the first time, from Genesis to Revelation, God ran when He saw you coming back home. Ladies and gentlemen, every single day, we can put ourselves in a situation where every day, you want to go back to God and say, God, Take me in. Embrace me. Kiss me. Restore me to who I am in Christ. Because apart from this, you won't survive life. The value is never dependent on the two sons. Or even dependent on the younger son. That make me one of your hard servants. The value is always dependent on how much the buyer is willing to spend 
for a specific item or commodity. Value is never de determined by how much, or value is determined by how much someone is willing to pay. And Christ died on the cross because he knows that more than just being a perfect man and a perfect God, this is how I would want to put a price tag on each and every one of you. The price tag is priceless. And you can't run away from it. You can't deny it. And whether you like it or not, you're priceless in the eyes of God. So whatever you've been through when you return home, guaranteed 24-7 with no noon break, God will take you in. You don't have to set an appointment with his secretary at 5 p.m. Monday. No, 24-7. One of the things I realize in life that as a father of four kids, when my daughter asked for me at 3 in the morning, I would wake up even though I'm tired because I'm a father. If your daughter will ask of me 3 in the morning, forget it. <laughs> That's not my daughter. You understand this? Even though... An imperfect father like me would go out of my way and respond to my daughter because I do understand my role as a father. How much more our heavenly father that in times of need, in times of us repenting of our sins and returning back home, he would be there for you. Just call and be back home. Guaranteed. It says right here, but God shows His love for us while. Say the word while. I just don't understand this. I would understand that God shows His love for us after we have repented of our sins. If you're a businessman, you're starting a business, you have a partner, let him fix it first before I join the venture. You want this marriage to work? Change. And let's talk about it after. But while you are in the dark, Christ died for you. Because He is fully convinced that if you come to your senses, you don't have to call for me. I've done it for you. Any moment you return home. And you don't want to be a pig. I want you to be guaranteed. There is a Father that will take you in. Our reckless living can only be changed by a loving Father who isn't changing. And the reason why we're changing each and every single day because we are melted by the concept of how much the Father has paid for our sins. The motivation is how much it costs the Father just to bring you home. Ladies and gentlemen, it costs Him His Son just for you to be restored, to be forgiven, to go back to your original state so that you can be called a child of God. As we start our week with robe, ring, and sandals, representing who you are in the eyes of God. You can start your week with full confidence because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. 
that we have a Father in heaven who will not give up on us. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. I want to call the music team to join me here in front. Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful moment. Indeed, you're a good God. That it's guaranteed that you're waiting for all of us, not just for people, oh God, who has a dark past, oh God, and they want to return home. But every single day, you are that Father waiting for all of us to start our day with a prayer, to start our day, oh God, with you. So as we bow our heads and close our eyes, if you're saying, I want to understand who God is, my Abba Father, that I want to experience the Father's love as we bow our heads and close our eyes. If you're the person right now saying, Pastor, pray for me, I want to experience. And I'm telling you right now, it's not easy for me to, to go through this. Because I came from a fatherless home. I don't know how to relate to a father, but I'm telling you right now, it was God who fathered me. And if you're like me, you came from a broken family, you, you, you grew up without a father, I'm telling you right now, our Father in heaven is more than enough. So if you're here right now, whether you're married or you're a student, and you're saying, I want to experience God's love as a father, I want you right now to raise your hand if you're that person. You're saying, I want, I want the Father's love. You can raise your hand. Just, just raise it as high as you can. Lord, thank you for the people in this room that are saying, I, I want to experience the Father's love. Lord, I pray right now that they will not listen to the lies of the enemy. That they are a product of their past, but they are the product, Lord God, of what you did on the cross. Lord, with the hands that are lifted high, and, and I know, Lord, that there is a lot of people in this room that needs to collide and experience your love for them. I pray that they will recognize that you're willing to take them in. I pray with people who has been disfigured of their past, I pray right now you make them whole. Now people right now suffering emotionally because of their past. People are struggling because of their past. I pray right now that you come in and you minister to them tonight. That you make them whole again. No matter how the world has abused us, no matter how the world has abused us, I pray right now that you make them whole again. So I pray, can we just raise our hands before God, all, all of us across the room. Lord, with his hands are lifted high. Let our limitations, Lord God, be met, be changed. by your love as a father. So today I pray that you refresh every person in this room, that they will experience how much you love them and they will know, Lord God, that whatever you have started in their lives, that you will be the one to complete it. You can put down your hands, Lord, bless these people. that they will experience every single day your love as our Father in heaven. 
So as we continue to bow our heads and close our eyes, if you're saying right now, Pastor, I want to recognize God as my Father. There's no other way to do this than to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So tonight, if you're saying, I want to start all over again. I'm tired of living this life. I'm not joining a religion. You're starting a relationship with God. And you'll be surprised that though you have not experienced the love of, of your Father, whether He is present or absent, and, and they're not perfect, I know. But God will show you how loving He is as our Father. So if you are the person right now, you're saying, I want God in my life. I want to have a relationship with Him. I want to invite you into a simple prayer where you will open your heart to Jesus and invite Him in your life as your Lord and Savior. So as we bow our heads and close our eyes, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say this after me. Lord Jesus, say this once again. Lord Jesus, I repent from all known sins and I want to follow you for the rest of my life. Say this with me, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die on my behalf so I can live in freedom. Jesus, I want to start all over again. Give me the grace and the strength to start right.